Good morning, Northbridge. I want to introduce our speaker for this morning, Pastor Glenn Blossom. I am thrilled that he can be here with us, a veteran preacher. It gives me and my family the opportunity to be at CityGate Church uh, with my children, and especially my grandson. And Pastor Blossom, I know you know how important that is with 20 grandchildren, uh, to your credit, um, and uh, many of them serving in ministry homes as well. So Pastor Glenn is going to come and open the scriptures and talk to us about the discipline of rest and how important that is. Welcome, brother. Thank you so much for being here with us. I am so privileged to be here this morning, and I just want to uh, thank Pastor Ray and others for the opportunity of coming this morning and sharing a message from God with you. I'd invite you to turn with me in your scriptures this morning, and uh, it, it, I can't tell you what page number it's on because my page is different than yours, okay? But it's the book of First Kings, the book of First Kings, and the, we start at the 16th chapter, and we're going to go through, not read, but we are going to survey, basically, uh, from chapters 16 to chapter 19, the end of chapter 16 on into uh, the beginning of chapter 19. And it is the story of Elijah. Now, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Okay? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Will you say that with me? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. One more time. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. You know, distractions are many. <laughs> And with the distractions comes perhaps a momentary thrill, but ultimately it is discouraging, it waylays us, it defeats us, it causes us to lose out. And we constantly have to be reminding one another and being reminded of what is the focus? What's the focus? If you have attention deficit disorder, you know what I'm talking about. Or if you have a child with attention deficit disorder, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or perhaps worse, if you have a mate with attention deficit disorder, you know what I'm talking about. Or if you're getting older, you know what I'm talking about. When you go to the refrigerator and you can't remember as you hold that handle if you're opening it or closing it. You go upstairs and you're trying to say, now what did I come upstairs for? Uh, it, listen, if it hasn't happened, it will happen to you. It will happen. That's, that's where you go. Uh, losing focus. And all of a sudden we're in every different direction called by every different kind of calling. If you're a mother, you know what that is. 
in your place of employment. You know what that is. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, what is the main thing? We're going to turn to look at a guy named Elijah and see his struggle with the main thing. And he did struggle. Now that's hard in one sense to believe because of what we know about Elijah, especially in the New Testament scriptures. Elijah means my God is Jehovah. Actually, it's Eli, my God, Yah, which is the short for Jehovah. My God is I am. My God is I am. Now, in the New Testament, he's very revered. Considered, perhaps, as the first of the prophets as we know them. Moses was a prophet, but Elijah was the prophet. And they looked for Elijah to come before the Messiah would come. Very important figure in religious history. So important that, interestingly enough, there were those who, when Jesus cried, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, they thought he was talking about and calling for Elijah, some of them. My God, my God. They didn't understand. They didn't realize. They thought it was this important figure of Elijah. The interesting thing is, is that Elijah just appears out of nowhere. You'll notice that in chapter 17. His first use of his name, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab. All of a sudden, plop, he's there in biblical history. We don't really know much about his background. We know what his name is. We know that God, Jehovah, is his master, is his Lord. He is a servant of that God, and he speaks for that God. You will see that because the word of the Lord comes to Elijah. The word of the Lord comes to Elijah. The word of the Lord comes to Elijah. He is a mouthpiece, because that's what a prophet is, who speaks to people, to mankind, on behalf of God. He is a mouthpiece for God. So here he is, and the first thing that we see is that he speaks to Ahab. Now, you need to go back to the 16th chapter at the end to find out what has happened. What is the context of his speaking? It's in an adulterated society. It is to a people who are God's people who have wandered from him who have followed after other gods. 
And they did that because they didn't obey him, because they didn't believe him. And here is a man named Ahab in the northern kingdom who marries Jezebel, who is the daughter of the king of Sidon, who then brings into that northern kingdom all of these Baal gods and the Asherah, or the female gods as well. Baal is the word for my master. And they thought, and we'll see that in a, in a couple moments, they thought they could serve more than one master. They thought that they could conjoin Jehovah along with these Baal gods, the gods of the weather and the gods of fertility and all that Baal represented. They thought... We can ultimately, this morning we read, heard from Genesis chapter 3, they thought they could make their God. And that's what they did. And embracing all of this, and it was the worst of days, it was the darkest of night in Israel's history. And the word of the Lord. You see, no matter what man thinks, God is still God. Jehovah still is. No matter who you stand in front of in terms of authority, whether it is the authority of believe the science, or it is the authority of government, or it is the authority of riches, or it is the authority of mass communication, God still is God. Jehovah. There is but one God. And Elijah is committed to that. Now move with me with Elijah. The first thing is, is that the Lord says to Elijah, go tell Ahab, and it's clear that this is the word of God, to him, go tell Ahab that there's going to be a drought and a famine basically for three years. He goes and does that, and then the Lord says to him, go and hide. <laughs> okay? Because he's going to be on your tail. He's not going to like that kind of message. And he's going to call you the troubler of Israel. All of the problems that they're going to face now, he's not going to lay on himself, but he's going to blame it on you. Go and hide. And he goes to a cave, and God takes care of him. He feeds him bread and meat through the mouth of a raven that God sends to him and he meets his need with the water of that spring. From there, having found out that God can supply all of his needs, he then is told to go down, or up, I should say, to Zarephath. Zarephath is in Sidon. Now remember, Jezebel was the daughter of the king of Sidon. That is an apostate country. 
It is outside of Israel. It's outside of the domain of the people of God. God sends Elijah on a missionary venture. Because God has his people everywhere. That's what the New Testament tells us in reference to this particular passage of Scripture. In the book of Romans, Paul says there is a remnant of grace. God has his people everywhere. It is ours to discover where God has his people. It's ours to discover. And so when you're invited to invite people into your homes or into different kind of events, what, you're, what are you doing? You're not saving people. You are bringing the message of good news to discover who God's remnant of grace are. I save no one. You save no one. But the delight of the adventure is to find those whom God is calling. And we do that by calling them to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. There will be those who reject, who don't listen. Ahab, Jezebel, never converted. Even though the prophet and the word of God were constantly confronting them. But there is this woman at Zarephath. Now, it's an interesting kind of story, and we really don't have much time at all to spend in, in these stories because you'll see that it is there that God provides for this woman a jar that would not empty and a, a, a bowl that just was always satisfying. It wasn't a superabundance, it was always enough. Have you ever heard that scripture that says, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? That he will take care of you? And she found it to be true. But then her son dies. Then she is horror-stricken. I mean, imagine her condition in the first place. No water, no food, just a little bit of that for one last time to go out and find sticks so that they can die. And God steps into her life. Changes, but then her son goes. What else can go wrong? Is that what you've done, is to come to bring to me the condemnation of God? Elijah takes the, the body of the child unto his room. Three times, placing himself over that body, calls out. It's interesting how in this passage of scripture, the, the whole of this passage, the, the number three is there. Three times in this case, calls out unto God and salvation is of the Lord. <laughs> God raises this child from the dead. He revives. You remember after uh, three days, God 
speaks a word and raises his son, who by his own power is raised from the dead. And there is hope. Surely, notice those last words now in verse uh, 24. Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. That word of the Lord is true. It's truth. Wow. Okay, what happens next? Well, now we're at 18. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah goes to show himself to Ahab. The famine is severe in Samaria. Ahab had called Obadiah to say, Obadiah, let's go find, and in the midst of this, we find out that Obadiah is a man of God. And Obadiah has been active in hiding other prophets in a cave in fifties. So we know that there are at least a hundred that he has delivered, such as the deliverance of a Cory ten Boom and many others in the World War II. And that's what Obadiah has done. And so Obadiah goes with Ahab, and Ahab in one direction, Obadiah another. Obadiah finds Jer- uh, Elijah. And he says, wow, we've been looking for you. Well, go tell Elijah that. No, hold it. Don't leave me hanging here, Obadiah says. I know what happens. The Spirit of God will take you away, and Ahab will be on me and take my life. Don't worry. I'll be there. And he goes. Ahab and Elijah get together, and Ahab is told it's going to be over. There's going to be an end of the drought. But he challenges them to a contest. And that's what you see in the 18th chapter is this contest. You'll remember that at Mount Carmel. The mounts are always the high places, the places where the gods would be. And the altar of God had been broken down and been replaced with an altar for Baal. Elijah said, okay, I'll challenge you. Let's see who is God. And you'll remember well what has happened here. You remember that they take their bull, they cut him up, they lay him on the altar that they've built, and they cry out, and ends up that after all this, these hours of crying out, Elijah says, hold it, you know, what, what, is your God gone on a journey, or is he... Is he using the bathroom? Okay, is, is that what he's doing? Or has he... They, they cut themselves. Lay out their own blood. And there is dead silence. Elijah rebuilds the altar of God. He not only rebuilds the altar of God, but he places on it wood... And on that, he places his, the sacrifice of the bull, and then he has it doused with water three times. <laughs> that sign of certainty three times. For sure, nothing can happen. Nothing can happen. 
And in a short prayer, he prays and God answers and sends fire from heaven. Look at the miracles that are happening here. Look at this prophet who is the voice of God. Hear him. Then watch. Notice at the end of the chapter, ultimately, he takes those 450 prophets and is accountable. Perhaps he himself, that's the implication here, puts a sword through them. The triumph of God over evil. Well, Ahab leaves there, goes tells Jezebel, and Jezebel sends the message, this is important, sends the message to Elijah, be it far worse even to me if by nightfall you're not dead. And Elijah is scared to death. And he takes off. He runs. He runs south. He runs to Beersheba. It is there, you will notice at the end of that, uh, at the beginning of that uh, chapter, chapter 19, that he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, verse 4, sat down at a broom tree, and he asked that he might die. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going, hold it. Have I missed something here? (laughs) Hold it. You just called down fire from heaven. You saw God supply you with the ravens. You saw God keep his word three years of drought and then to bring rain. All of this, you you saw him raise somebody from the dead. You saw him for for those three years have a a bowl that never went empty and, and a container that never went dry. And now you're running? What, what did I miss here? You know, I can be pompous too. <laughs> Just like you. We can sit here and read this, and we can blame Elijah. You know what the saddest words of Scripture are? In my estimation, some of the saddest words are. When God says to his people, don't forget me. We sing it, don't we? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Oh, I'll never deny you, (laughs) Peter said. I'll never deny you. I'll always believe you. I'll stick tight. I'll keep the main thing the main thing. And bingo. Fear. Afraid for his life. Which is very interesting. He's afraid for his life and he goes to a place where he says, I want to die. (laughs) Hold it, make up your mind. (laughs) You want to die or do you want to live? 
Now, that's the confusion that sin brings in our lives, that fear brings in our lives. Oh, I'm, I'm not afraid. You're not? You got your mask on? <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not doubting the, the good use of masks. But you know how many people are afraid? How many Christians are afraid, afraid to meet? Afraid to go out? Afraid to talk to their children? Afraid to talk to their parents? Fear that comes? Oh, that's not our only fear. You see a fear of transition of government, and we're afraid of what's going to happen. We're afraid. He feared for his life, and he ran. But God was still with him. When you wake in the morning and find yourself separated from God, be assured that it's not God who's moved. He's still with him. And he takes care of him even in his sin. He's still Elijah. The living God is my God. So we find him there. We find him and he goes into the wilderness. He needs rest. He's been running. He's fearful. He's confused. And he's lo- he's, he lacks reality in the midst of all of that. Okay? Do you catch that? Did you catch that? That he has lacked reality? He's lost reality? He's lost truth in the midst of all this? Remember, three times in this passage of Scripture, three times in these, he says, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Two times he says it to God. Before that, he said it to the people. Well, hold it. I thought you, I thought you met Obadiah. I'm the only one. And I thought that Obadiah hid a hundred other prophets. I'm the only one. And the New Testament tells us 7,000 other prophets. I'm the only one. You see, when the main thing is no longer the main thing, you get confused. You believe a lie. Life In other words, you gain your own truth. My truth is, (laughs) that's a phrase a lot of people use, my truth is. My truth is sex outside of marriage. My truth is you can be whatever sex that you want to be. My truth is that you can have as many gods as you want and still hold on to the one God. Elijah said, no, if God be God, follow him. But if Baal be God, then follow him. I don't want you to be halting. I don't want you to be limping between two. There is only one God. In the book of Revelation, God says, I wish that you were hot or cold, but because you're limping between two, I will spew you out of my mouth. Wow. And here's Elijah. You see, 
One thing that we need to understand this morning is that we're no different than Elijah. We're no different than Elijah. We get confused. We follow after other ways. We become afraid. Our realities begin to become skewed. And we're wondering, is God really God? Where, where is he, even though he's done for us time and time and time and time and time again? We're there saying, Jezebel's after me. And we run for our lives. And God says to us, as he did Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Don't look for me in the spectacular. Look for me in that still, quiet voice. My heart to your heart. My soul to your soul. There's more to say, but what do I take away from this? Elijah had been in spiritual battles. Elijah was living real life, just like you and just like I do. For we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers, spiritual darkness and wickedness. We're in the battle. And it's easy for us to lose the main thing. To be fearful, to think all we need is the bread and water, all we need is, and we grasp for all of these, because we lose focus. It happens to everybody. He, this man of God, represents us. It happens to all of us. And we need to hear the word of Jesus. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you beginning to get a sense of what the main thing is? What is the main thing? What is the main thing? Run with patience the race that is set before you, looking unto Jesus. Set the Lord ever before you. What is the main thing? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not I, but Christ. That's the main thing. May I suggest to you four things in this renewal, in this refreshment. The first thing is, refresh yourself physically. 
Notice a number of times he's sent to the cave to sleep. Jesus rested. God, in the whole rhythm of things, has provided for us that seventh day of rest. We need physical rest and physical refreshment. Food. We need that. May I suggest to you, if you're one of those who are wondering what it's all about, if you're a believer here this morning and you're fearful, may I suggest to you, first of all, that you get your rest and that you eat. But most of all, that you eat of him, the bread of life sent down from heaven, and the one who is the living water. That you turn to Jesus. Oh, I'm, I'm here at church. Oh, I read my Bible. Oh, I, oh, I. Now hold it. Set aside and rest. And then not only that rest, but then also. Notice what he says over and over there that is, that is obviously so, so important to us. Receive the word of God. I'm not saying that you go someplace and just listen. No. What more can he say than to you he has already said? You have the scriptures. Take them. Read them. Meditate upon them. And in all of them, find Jesus. Did you see Jesus as we went through the life of Elijah? He's there. Go through the life of Moses, you'll find Jesus. Go to Horeb. You'll find Jesus because you'll find not only the law, but you'll find the one who is full of grace and full of truth. For at the, at the very mountain that Moses was on, at the mountain that Elijah goes back to, Mount Sinai, is not only the law of this is what you will do, but it's also the tabernacle, it's also the Holy of Holies, it's also the Ark of the Covenant, which is the seat of mercy. Like Newton said, amazing grace. It was grace that taught my heart to fear the law. And it's grace my fears relieved the mercy seat. They're found in this one who the Bible says is full of grace and full of truth. Go to the scriptures and find Jesus. To the word of God. Read it. Meditate upon it. Not only do we refresh ourselves and do we reflect, but then I want to suggest to you that we Recover reality. Look at your life and see how things have skewed 
you don't see things the way God sees them. Return to the scriptures. Listen to God as he speaks to you by his Holy Spirit. As he speaks to you through the preaching and teaching of the word. As you meditate upon that word day and night. And catch again his reality. You know, it's easy to fear death. The older I get, and I'm getting there quicker than ever before, I face the fact of death. And all of a sudden, all sorts of questions come. Now, listen, I've been in ministry for over 50 years, and all sorts of questions still come. Your reality can skew. Just like for Elijah, I'm the only one. Elijah, you're not. Recover reality. And the only reality that is a true reality is as God sees it. That's what you want, because that's what is true. A reality about yourself. So you find that you're a sinner. What's new? Everybody else finds that too. Confess it. Speak it out plain to God. Every sin that you can find, confess it. Repent of it. Put it out there and turn. How you see people, confess it. You sometimes see people as objects, sexual objects, or financial objects, or advantageous objects. You see them in that way, and you don't see them as Jesus sees them, people in need of a Savior. You see, it comes back to the main thing being the main thing. And the only way that I will get there is when it is Jesus only. The last thing I would suggest to you is that you not only refresh, reflect, recover reality, but that you renew. Paul in the book of Corinthians says, though the outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed day by day. You see, this isn't a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It is what Paul says in the book of Ephesians, be being filled with the Spirit. And so day by day, we are committing, we are recommitting, we are reopening, we are recognizing We are confessing Jesus Christ is Lord and I am here to do your will, O God. That's what it's all about. It is about Jesus. Can I encourage you to do that? Write them down. As a way to make the main thing the main thing. Physical refreshment. An issue of reflecting on the word of God. It is coming back to reality 
recovering reality as found in Christ. And it is in renewing my call, my ministry, my life to Jesus first and ultimately only and what he would do. You know, one of the interesting things in the New Testament, with this I close. Elijah appears on what's called the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that story? Elijah is there, and Moses is there, and Jesus is there. Here are the greats. So Peter, in his blustery way, says, Boy, let's build all, let's make tents, let's make memorials here to these three. And the cloud comes down. And when it lifts, it's Jesus only. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word made flesh, the word that dwelled among us, will not pass away, and his word, the scriptures, the word of truth, will not pass away. May I encourage you this morning to a renewed commitment? The main thing is to make the main thing and keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus only. Will you pray with me? Father, as we think about this time for Pastor Ray as a a Sabbath rest for him to renew out of all of the spiritual struggles, all of the things that he has faced to refresh, we find we're called to the same thing. May we not waste it. May it not be wasted for him, and may it not be wasted for us. This sabbatical for him, and this Sabbath day, and the rest to which we are called, may we not waste it. And may it be for us. Jesus only, in whose name I pray, amen.